0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development.
1: The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
2: So welcome to another T2 Hubcast. I've got Spencer Locker, Dave Pendleton and me, Martin Johnson. Spence jumped in then. Go on, Spence. I was just about to say hello. <laughs> Good morning. Morning, Dave. Morning, Spence. So it's Friday morning. We are about to do day three of our filming day this quarter, which is non stop back-to-back filming. So we're a bit tired. We're a bit fatigued, uh, but we've had our coffee and we're ready to go. This is the Friday morning review of the questions submitted by LinkedIn users this week. Uh, we kicked this off last week. And uh, Dave's laughing at me because I should have turned my phone on silent. If that was someone else, I'd be going crazy, wouldn't I, Dave? <laughs> so, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so we've had some questions submitted from LinkedIn. And as, as usual, we like to just uh, answer them. They're usually questions around leadership, sales, customer service, or general productivity or personal development, whatever it might be. So we've got three questions this week that we've picked to answer, and um, we're going to spend the next 20, 25 minutes answering them. Usual fashion, gents. It's unrehearsed. It's first thing that comes to mind, um, and let's see where we go with it. Yeah? Up for it? Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Right. First question is from Leon McQuaid. Leon is the co-founder of Think Cloud. We've done some work with Leon. We know him quite well. He's doing great things. He's also part of the Andy's Man Club. Charity is an ambassador for Andy's Mantra, which is a wonderful charity for men. Um, so he's put on LinkedIn his question: Given that we share the same passion for people, process, and technology in brackets with your new T2 Hub, nice plug, nice plug, Leon. Thank you very much. Cheers, Leon. Um, I so Leon loves to speak on digitally on how to digitally unleash a business's potential. Um but it's put from from center from front and center we are talking about cultural transformation in how people engage collaborate and work given that we can now work anywhere anytime on any device this presents wins for the organization but if it's not managed effectively it it can cause added strain for employees that manifests itself in backup i'd love to know your thoughts and the other guy's thoughts on how we can manage and equip companies with the tools, strategies, and support to succeed in the digital age, but manage these challenges. Now, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to double this up with the question from Neil Cavill. Mm. Neil Cavill wrote in, he's the head of continuous improvement for ARCO, who are experts in safety and safety equipment. And Neil says, Martin, I love the phrase leadership is the answer. Now tell me the problem. Sums up a lot of things for me. Given the tech obsessed communicate by device generation of future leaders? How do we adapt traditional leadership approaches and models to accommodate and embrace this? So the reason I've put those two questions Mm. together is because Mm. Leon's sort of saying technology in this modern day is enabling us so much to achieve so many things, but it's also can hinder us and can overwhelm us and can overpower us and actually strangle productivity if we're not careful. And Neil's coming at it from a leadership perspective, you know, are leaders of the modern day and the future leaders relying too much on lazy communication and mm. and technology, and therefore is it impacting leadership for the better or worse? And how do we see that sort of manifesting and morphing? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So,
2: Dave, yeah. what's your first thoughts on this? Because I'm a massive advocate of technology. I think technology enab- enables us to do so much, and so and do you know what, the future looks bright. You know, we can we can now operate in ways we could never before. So Mm. technology is good and we must embrace it. Mm. But I'm also a massive advocate of where to draw the line and where it starts to become counterintuitive or counterproductive when it comes to workplace productivity or, or leadership. So for me, I sit on sort of the fence and I can understand both sides. And I think it's about understanding where we should leverage it and where it enables us and where we should... You know, be conscious that that interhuman element is still of paramount importance. What's your first thoughts? Well, having an 18 year old um, who was pretty much grown
0: up through the technological era, I mean, obviously, iPhones and the internet and so forth have been around since he's been born. He's part of the, the very first generation of, of technological children, I guess. Um, you know, and I know much how much time he spends on his tech with his his phone, lighting up his face and all the rest of it. Um, but but I guess as a parent, because you know at home I'm his leader, you know, and he's only just started work, and I would absolutely wholeheartedly say that he will absolutely need a person to deal with on a regular basis, because you know the tech that he works with and and the tech that he he has, you know, attached to his face every day. It's helpful in, in ways, but in terms of that human-to-human guidance, for me, I don't think that will ever leave us until maybe 10 generations into the future where all of our jobs become fully autonomous.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I totally agree with you. And, and just building on to that, before I sort of bring Spence in, because I know he's reflecting and sort of thinking about this, is... You know, one of the things that science has proven already is that when we talk about AI and we talk about the future of technology and how it can do a lot of the things that we humans do now, and therefore the landscape of the working environment in 10, 20 years from now will be dramatically different. Um, The one thing that science has shown is that, and I'm not saying, I'm never saying never, but I'll believe it when I see it, is that AI and technology can read emotions in a person, i.e., can pick up mm. on body language, tone of voice, and things like uh, volume and anger and and joy Ton- and tonality, etc. Yeah. But it cannot interpret emotions accurately because human beings are all <coughs> different. And what uh, what might seem like anger for from me could be deemed as excitement. I might be really showing a little bit of excitement, and it's just coming out in that mm. way. So AI can't. Interpret emotions. It might be able to pick up on stuff and and read with clever algorithms, but I can't see how it can ever truly, from an emotional intelligence perspective, interpret them Mm -hmm. in the right way, which therefore means any situation which requires that in the workplace will always rely on that interhuman. Now, I know what people out there listening to this are going to say, Dave. Bloody human beings can't interpret emotions and 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 have emotional intelligence. But yes, I know there's some people who don't have emotional intelligence or, or are not as emotionally intelligent as others. But I think, I think in the main, human to human will always exist where where fundamental collaboration and emotions need to be interpreted correctly. And uh, you know, and well, that that that's my initial view on that. I think. Yeah, I think. You hit on a
0: really important point about in, interpreting people's emotions. So what about the other side of the, the the argument? What about the demonstration of emotions? Because it's really, really important that when somebody is showing emotion, that we demonstrate the correct emotion in return. So, so that, I guess the question there is, would AI and new tech be able to demonstrate sincere and genuine emotion in return?
2: Yeah, well, when I I've... don't.
0: I I don't know if it would. I mean, I can't see it. I don't think so because you'd always be talking to some kind of machine, some kind of tech, and would you get that genuine eye to eye depth of contact that you would get from a human, that you would get from a piece of tech?
2: Yeah. Well, I, when I've spoken to technology evangelists on this, such as Leon, such as uh, some of the other influencers on LinkedIn. Uh, who fundamentally believe in AI in the future and what it can be capable of. And obviously, we're human performance evangelists. You know, the fact that my book is called I Am Human, yeah. we believe in it, sure. right? Now, I, I I understand both sides of the fence, but my argument has always been what we're talking about. They say, yes, at the moment, AI cannot achieve that, but it will in the future. Now, I'll just say I'll believe it when I see it. But what, what coming back to our point and your initial point, Dave, is... We still need to have that human interaction, that human element within every environment for it to be a productive ecosystem. So we cannot just rely on tech yet, and we cannot just rely on human interaction. Sure. They're intrinsically linked mm-hmm. and they should enable each other yeah. if we get the balance right. And I'm gonna to come to you now, Spence, because one of the things Leon says in his in his um question there, before we come to Neils on leadership, Leon says around you know, it does enable us so much. We can work anytime, anywhere. Um, But he's saying it can put an awful lot of strain on a human being when it starts to consume us. We know from a mental health perspective and wellbeing perspective, the amount of time spent on devices and the amount of time spent on social media, consuming incoming and news alerts and instant messenger and WhatsApp and all of these things, we can can have over 100,000 inputs in the brain a day you know when we talk about that spent mm. it's overloading us and that leads to strain and fatigue and you know it does impact upon our mental state at times so yes technology is a wonderful thing but if it, if it's controlling us rather than vice versa that's when it's tipping the balance what's your thoughts
1: i think i think it's very important for us to understand from well, sorry, no, I'm saying that. I'm, I'm saying that as, as fact, it's not fact, it's opinion. In my opinion, <clears throat> the technology where we're talking in the context that we're talking about is there to enhance and complement what we already have and not replace it. Yeah. So if we use it judiciously, if we use it, if we, if we start thinking about hu- human relationships, yeah, we start thinking about human relationships. If I say to you, a couple. In a meaningful, good relationship, in a great relationship, I sat on the settee. What do you picture in your mind? What do I picture in my mind what, now? Two, two people, a couple. Well, yeah, y- yeah you sat on the settee, and they're in a meaningful relationship. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you have a picture of two lovers
2: cuddling, embracing, spending time together, talking, whatever it might be.
1: Bit of physical touching,
2: yeah. Not hey, easy time. I was gonna say, yeah. no, going to say, I'm smiling because where do we go with this?
1: <laughs> what night is it? Is it a Friday night or a? <laughs> Just specific nights. <laughs> oxytocin release. Yeah, trust a bond. Physical physical contact. Oxytocin release. You can't get an oxytocin release when you're both sat on either end of the settee looking on your iPads or your phones. Yeah, can you? You can't get an oxytocin release, but you can get five minutes peace. Can you? <laughs> Well, this is the thing is because you're getting bombarded with this fake news or the things that really don't matter when they're actually what really matters in your life is sat at the other end of the set, yeah,
2: and that's and what you're saying there, Spencer is that is an example, and we 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 can see it. me and my wife sit in restaurants and we look at other couples in restaurants. I know it's we people watchers yeah and and you can see it all the time. there'll be a couple who sat opposite each other, they make the order on the menu mm. the the waiter leaves, and then they're instantly just both looking down on the phones. yeah, and do you know what? Me and my wife have been caught up in for a split second doing this ourselves. But now we make this pact where we sit there and we go, God, it's
1: so obvious how we can get caught up in in, in this behaviour. Do you know what I mean? And when we transpose that into the workplace, imagine an open plan office, silent. Mm. Everybody's there on the phones, on the computers, on the tablets. I mean, what happens in here when we come in in the morning, Dave? we talk about stuff don't we yeah we get to know each other we form relationships we enhance relationships and it's worth mentioning that human beings
2: uh, his, the whole history of homo sapiens is we fundamentally rely on human collaboration and connection certainly we do we absolutely do so it's it to leon's question it does it, it is strangling and inhibiting that and um you know we we i'm just going to challenge something you said spencer please do right you said Technology shouldn't replace us, it should enable us now. Enhance and complement. Enhance what and complement. Now, I agree, but I think it's not as binary as that. I think there's categories. So, I think there are certain things in this world that AI and technology should replace and free human beings up. Yeah. And, and so, therefore, if there are jobs or if there are, are, are tasks mm. where human beings don't enjoy doing them mm. or they can be done much quickly, much more efficiently, much more cost-efficiently by yeah. technology, which frees the human being up to make a real
1: difference somewhere else, then I absolutely agree that they should replace us. And I will counter-challenge that. One of the statements you just said then was, if there's things that we don't like doing, yeah?
2: Well, I said that amongst the other things. Yes, but... So I'm giving you a the... couple of examples yes, of, if, for yeah. example... Some people, what some people might not like, other people might be happy doing. I know what yes. you, I know where you're going to go with this, yeah. but what, that's why I gave you four things because there are different reasons. There'll be there'll be things that people simply don't like to do. Yeah, others might, but there'll be things that people are simply are not as productive as technology doing, hmm. which also comes into this bra- bracket. So if an organization can automate an area of their business that – and as long as they're not just then saying we don't need human beings anymore, yeah. as long as that frees human beings up to do something else which is mm. meaningful, then that yeah. embracing technology, it should replace humans for certain things. Right. right? Should we have people in factories doing uh, – pressing – and I mean, there's nothing wrong with this, but I've got a family member myself. Mm. He works – he's nearly retired. He works in a factory pressing a button for the last 15 years, which could be automated. Yeah. Right? Right? If that can be replaced by technology, hmm. then I wholeheartedly embrace it. I do agree with you, though, on it should it should be there to enhance us. Even where we want to deploy AI or technology, it should be to en- enhance upon what human beings can do, but yeah. not completely replace. Right, sure. Unless it's in that bracket
1: that we talked about right okay so wh- when i was challenging you then the point i was trying to make was there are people out there that don't like to communicate there are people like, out there that don't like to enhance uh, don't don't like to inter, inter-, inter-, inter- communicate, Yeah, so intercommunicate yeah, inter- yeah, inter- yeah, introverts yeah, interact, sorry socially anxious people yeah. introverts etc so those people are see can not are can see the advancement of technology of replacing the jobs that they don't like to do and this is the problem. This is what I'm saying: is people can see this and say, "Right, I don't like doing that, so I can get some AI or I can get some tech to be able to do that." If it's replacing something that th- that they don't like doing, and that is interacting with other human beings or communicating with other human beings, then we're actually using it to replace something that is is, is going to be. I don't think is going to benefit us. Right, interesting, Dave. Yeah, so so I mean, we was having a discussion just uh, this week about a, a
0: short film that I watched on social media, uh, Humans Need Not Apply, and it was talking about um, vehicle automation. Um, and lots of people think that vehicle automation is the future. It's not the future. It's already here. Hmm. Google have, have already t- trialed a million miles around city centres uh, without one incident or accident. And, and the long and short of that was that um, <clears throat> if vehicle automation was just 10% better than a human, it would save over 120,000 lives in the US alone. So to your point and your Spence about enhancing, you know, would there be an argument for every vehicle to be fully automated forever? And, it actually be
2: law because it's just safer and we were talking about lorry drivers the, yeah. the, the, the the companies are already ahead of the game of this automated logistics right self driving lorries yeah. now they, they don't need to take
0: breaks they the, don't the need argument got tachographs
2: so the, the answer is the arguments on both sides you can save lives mm. and you can reduce incidents you can improve logistics you can have a dedicated dedicated lanes for automated yep. lorries it comes cheaper comes cheaper the service improves right all of that but then you're putting millions of lorry drivers out of work. Who, who, 17 all 17 million people attached to the to the driving 17 industry. Seventeen million people all of a sudden go. So do I go? don't have a job, right? So you, and then my their 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 earnings and income is is jeopardized, right? Sure. And then you go, what is the trade-off there, right? Can you replace redirect seventeen million people into new work and other professions? Well, maybe a percentage of them, but some of them them have been doing that all of their lives, yeah, right? Absolutely. So it is this. I think what we're coming to here is there's a big debate about AI versus Mm. and the advancements in technology. And yes, I'm a massive advocate of it. And my summary is is where it can do things or where it can do things that frees up human beings. As long as it does free up human beings and doesn't jeopardize, like we said, 17 million people, Mm. where it can free up human beings to be more productive and do other things. I'm whole, or makes us more efficient or more green in the world, or whatever it might be. I wholeheartedly embrace Mm. it, but I don't think it's ever going to fully replace human beings. And I think as long as we get the balance right, which is the biggest contentious issue, Mm. then we should be embracing what's possible in the future. Um, But yeah, this is the gray area. There's three of us in this room, and we've got different, slightly different perspectives on it. So when you look at all of the companies out there and the people out there, It's a minefield. It really is. Mm. Um, But I want to spend some time on the last question. So I'll come back to you in a second, Dave. But Sort of when I look at Neil's question again, he asked a question on leadership. So we've got to cover that as well. Mm. Um, How is it affecting the leadership dynamic in organizations? Are leaders now becoming too reliant on smart technology or uh, communications devices and technology where we start to – reduce the interhuman element of leadership because we're doing everything of a instant messenger or link or email or video conference or conference call or whatever it might be or you know text message email it's endless um we first thought thing I'd say on that is if you just all communicate on tech via technology as a leader it it gives you a wonderful scope where you can communicate with your team anywhere for, you know in the world at any point right but if you reduce the interhuman element you are reducing up to 65% of your influence on your people because body language and intonation and that interhuman element connection as we know from our studies and what we do it's 65% of it so just communicating over technology too much as a leader starts to tip the balance, in my opinion. We should embrace it as a leader where it works for us, but we've got to make every effort to spend time with our people and take advantage of that 65%. Dave? So my, my very first um, point
0: on that is that you, you, know, you mentioned that we can communicate wherever we want in the world at any time by pinging off an email. Now, email is one of the things that comes up in our communication discussions a lot. So yes, it's okay having the ability to send that email, but what is the quality of that email? And how is it read? How is it interpreted?
2: Absolutely, it's the number one. And, uh, and that's to
0: back up your point about what do we lose in translation? Well, we know lots and lots is lost. So even the ability just to communicate a simple message and it, and it be received and means the same thing at the other end it, is partially lost. So having the ability to communicate is one thing, but having the ability to communicate correctly and accurately,
2: I think is a whole different thing. And that's just email, right? So, just email. so let's <clears throat> let's even talk about some of the, the the more modern forms of communication with tech. Let's talk about video conferencing. Let's talk about like instant FaceTime. Let's talk about all of you know, we use Skype a lot now rather than the, you know, traditional dialing conference call technologies. Now, just the question I got asked a few weeks back was. But if I'm video calling my team from afar, then I'm getting that body language and that, that, that. And I said, well, no, you're not, right? Yes, you can see somebody on a screen. Yes, it gives you that, that visual. And arguably you could read some facial expressions and body language, et cetera. But you cannot replace that interhuman element. The feeling of engaging with another human being doesn't come through a device or a screen. Me sat in front of you in a meeting room as a leader, having a discussion about your performance or about how you're doing or giving you some coaching is nowhere near as effective as doing it over two screens on a video call from across the world or from across the country. Just isn't. The, there's, the, it's, there's the whole feeling aspect of that interhuman element that you're taking away still on video call. Now, it's better than an email. Absolutely. A video call or a Skype is better than an email or it's better than a conference call. But what we're saying is it's, it, technology is wonderful because we can we can do all of these things and we should embrace it. But to Neil's question for me, leaders have got to be careful that they don't lead entirely or manage entirely via what we call lazy communication. We've got to balance it. we've got to, when I was managing a bunch of senior client directors in the field at Ghana, they were spread all over Scotland and the north of England. I made sure that every second or third week I was driving across the Pennines or up to Scotland and I was meeting people for two or three hours to conduct one to ones. I could have done that over Skype. I could have done that and saved myself the journey, but I understood the the value and importance of that relationship and rapport with the team and it worked it worked well I think
0: if uh, I think f- from well, it's going to be a little bit controversial, I guess. But for me, if a leader really is trying to replace face-to-face contact, person-to-person contact, with any kind of technology, first thing I would question is: do they actually want to be a leader? Because one of the well, for me, one of the key aspects of being a leader is being around you people. Mm. I think it's the way you can influence the most out of the people and leverage the best resource. So if you're trying to replace being a leader with tech for a vast majority, I would question how much do you want to be a leader? And then your point is been about a, la- a lazy communicator. Yeah. Leadership is not about lazy communication. It's about the diligence of communication. It's about getting it wrong and learning. It's about getting it right and learning. And it's regular. I mean, how, how frequently in a week do we advise leaders to communicate with their team more mm. on a face-to-face basis? Mm. You know, spend more time with your people They buy into you. They don't buy into tech.
2: Yeah. And, you know, um, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to stay with Neil and Leon's question for the last sort of six or seven minutes of this, because and we'll answer Tyler's question, Tyler Helms' question in next week's podcast around the alpha wolf. So, Tyler, we will come back to that. I just don't want to cram it in this week and then um, then not (coughs) do it justice. But um, I'm going to record a podcast, I think, with Leon on this from his perspective because he's a technology evangelist, as is a lot of other people out there. And and we're not beating it up, Leon. We're not beating it up. You know, we promise no. you. We, we're saying we're massive advocates, and I, and I think Leon thinks the same as this. He's also an advocate of well-being and mental health, and we've got to find the right balance and the right line. There's nothing more powerful than human connection, right? And as long as we are still catering for that, as leaders, as people in the workplace, as long as we're having our time away from tech to to build rapport, to share. Thoughts and feelings mm. to engage. Just to, you know what mm. you said, Spence. Sometimes we we just laugh and joke. We we come off our in the working day. You know the times where we just we down tools for fifteen minutes and talk about any old crap, right? And we have a laugh about it. And and it just and then by the time you get back to your PC, it's like you are sort of like refreshed, ready to go again, rather than being the robot. Just <clears throat> and and I, and I think we've got to find the balance of this and to tie into Neil's question. Future leaders who are growing up in tech, who are more active on technology than the previous generations of leaders in the organization, they're going to be more susceptible to communicate by it. So I just think the education piece, whereas the education piece in the generations now and previous, for us, we we were well-educated socially and we had to learn tech. Some of us are still learning tech. Aren't we Spence? Some of us are still learning socially, <laughs> <laughs> right? But we had. to, If you think about this shift change, we had to learn leaders and managers how to use technology. Yeah. What going forward, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to teach technology experts on how to uh, socially connect and deal with other human beings. Right? The shift has it's happened because the reality is is we need to be competent at both, and we need to know mm. where to deploy both. Spence. <clears throat>
1: I refer you to my first answer, yeah, yeah. It's there to enhance and it's there to 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 be part of it, but it can't be used as replace. it can't be replaced. You can't use it totally. You can't rely on it. So yeah, exactly what I said before, yeah, so no comment. <laughs> and you know what?
0: most things go full circle and and I think from talking to leaders on a regular basis, I think the the tech revolution is already going full circle because of the awareness of mental health and overworking and all the rest of it, I think people are already starting to realize that they spend too much time working in Mm. lots of examples and too much working means the ability to work anytime, anywhere. Yeah. So I think people are already raising their own awareness and businesses are raising the awareness of people who work for them and saying, listen, just ease off a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the ability to overwork has always been there, whether you do overtime in a manual job or whether you spend more time on tech in in a less manual job. Yeah. But I think the revolution is already on the way. So,
2: well, I think crossed. I think the science and the data is now coming out around the impact of tech on mental health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about hundred thousand inputs a day in the brain. Simon Sinek talks about uh, you know people the impact of that constant uh, desire for um, recognition mm-hmm. and you know, fulfillment through likes and comments on your posts and pictures through your phone, you know, buzzing with a notification on Facebook. It's like they're craving it, you know, human beings start to crave it. And that's when the the tech is controlling you. You know, it might be great that we have technology in organizations where managers and leaders can have a really busy day because they're not productive and the octopus on roller skates. So do you know what they do? They go home and they do all the emailing on a night. Now, leaders, listen to me on this the minute you think oh that's really good because i can i can do all my activities in the day and i'll do all my e- emailing on an evening every recipient in your team of an email at 9 10 11 o'clock at night when they see that email is create only creating in most cases if it's to if it's actions if it's um performance related emails if it's issues if it's problems right all you're doing is continuing that release of cortisol and anxiety into the evening for your employee employees because they're thinking that, oh God! I've got to get in the office in the morning. I've got to deal with this. Oh my God! There's a problem. I'm overloaded, and we don't. We think that that's quite an efficient way to work. It's not right. It's not for mental. People need time to switch off and be away from it. So does the leader, and you do as the leader. Yeah, <laughs> it's not doing you any good no, as much as you think. That's a good it thing. It's not. Do you know what really pisses me off? Right, I listen to a lot of these podcasts and hubcasts from. Industry gurus, and some of them are very successful. And I'll never take it away from them. <laughs> but they you, you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk's in the U, in the US and, and 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 I can think of a million other sort of entrepreneurs and people who come on and say, if you want to be successful, you have to be willing to work an 18-hour day. Elon Musk claims he works 120 hours a week. You try and you try and divide 120 hours into a working week and sleep and eat, it's physically impossible. But is he happy? But I don't think it's true for and is he that. Lonely? Now we've got a minute left. I'm going to have a minute left. To have okay. I don't buy it. You don't have to work 18 hour days to be productive and successful. No. I don't. Right? You need your balance. Right? It, you can be as successful by working the amount of productive hours, and it's all about productivity. You don't have to be working that many hours. You're doing something wrong if you are. And tech is the biggest challenge against us achieving that. So we've got to find the balance. With 30 seconds left, Dave, I could talk about this all day. I know you could. Thank you very much. Spencer, thanks for your standpoint. <laughs> still, 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 still stand by it. Um, Tyler Helm, we will answer your question on the Alpha Wolf, dealing with the Alpha Wolf next week. We haven't had time, but that'll do us for this week. Gents, thank you very much. Thank and we'll be, we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. <laughs>